Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Generic Foiling Pod. In this episode, we are going to talk about some of the recent sessions that myself and Freddie have had. It's been a busy week, so there's been kite foiling, wake foiling and surf foiling. Uh, we're going to talk about some feedback that we got from Episode 1, which was fantastic to receive from you guys. Thank you for those that sent something in. We're going to get a bit techy for the first time this week and talk about the lift equation and the importance of speed, that is going to be useful information hopefully for all levels of riders and through all the different disciplines. Uh, we're going to talk about what we've got planned in terms of sessions for this coming week between now and the next episode. Hopefully there'll be pump foiling and wake foiling and there'll be more of the rubbish chat that you'll come to expect in these episodes. Freddie, back go. for round two. Yeah, see how this one goes. As you and I both know, we have done two of these episode twos now. Uh, the second episode we've decided to redo and revisit after having the feedback and conversations we've had with a few people this last week. Uh, as Liam said, thank you very much to anyone that has followed the Instagram, emailed us, commented. Got an email I know. And direct messages from whole, people that we don't even know. I've been collared in the gym by friends, people who I wouldn't necessarily have imagined might have listened to the podcast, have listened to it and maybe... Hopefully enjoyed it. Some people we even got nervous about them listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. It's been really fun to listen to who's actually listened to it. And A, I suppose, realise who gives a shit about us and appreciates it, even if it's just to give a shit after they've listened to it. Uh, it's also been really interesting reading some of the messages we've had on Facebook and, and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just really interesting hearing... People reaching out, which I guess I, I was gonna, I was expecting people to reach out at the back of my mind, but looking through a couple of the messages, just seeing people saying, "Oh, you know," it's the people that have reached out. The ones I found most interesting are definitely the people that we didn't know. That's it, that, and that's that have the shared main, their experience. That's the main one. People For those, that we don't know. Genuinely, big thank you. I know that I listen to a lot of podcasts, which is why I wanted to do this. And very rarely, even when I absolutely love the material that people put out, very rarely will I communicate with them and sort of express my enjoyment and hope for more. So for those that did, massive thank you to that. But also, there's a few people in water sports that we've known for a very long time who are the sort of people that with winging, for example, which is very much a love-hate in terms of whether you think it's cool or not. There's been a couple of people that have reached out to us and I'm like, you're winging now. I never would have expected that. I thought yeah. you'd have been a die-hard kite foil advocate and winging's not cool and yeah. that's too much like windsurfing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so that's, that's true. Cool. That is true. I've had a few people, whether it's up north or anywhere else from home, saying they're listening to it and, and thinking about getting into it and doing this and doing that. And yeah. It's, yeah, there's there's a lot of variety of people. It's just even when you look through the, all those hundreds and hundreds of notifications on the Instagram. Oh, mate, it's been popping up. Hundreds. It's just really cool to see people. I don't know these people. I have no idea, and they're just they're just obviously a little bit intrigued as to what we're actually doing. Anyway, so what have we been up to? Um, yeah, we got back well, from Cornwall. That was we episode got back from, one. Got back from Cornwall, but I think Cornwall was what like two or three weeks ago. It now? was. So it was We've a, had a bit of time. So we had a bit of time before we released it, and then we had a bit of time in between as well. There's not been a huge amount of wind in the UK and really not even that much swell about. We've had this sort of northwesterly winds for a little while, quite light, few sea breezes and a lot of sunshine. And that, we, we really want to talk about winging, I think is the main thing. And as we mentioned in the first episode, 
it, people might quite find it quite strange that we jump straight in with surf foiling, but it's very much just down to what we've what's going on in our heads at the time, what we've been out doing. Winging is the number one for me, and and I know Liam is wanting to get into the surf foiling stuff predominantly, but the wing foiling is still pretty big for both of us. But we haven't done any. No, but we will come on to that. Yeah. So we have had. You've had a surf foil session without me that you talked about in Saunton, didn't yeah. you? Which was, I think, maybe not quite as good as Cornwall, but still good. I've been out behind the boat with Dad a couple of times. Um, there's a lot that, that that is just massive learning curve, very much on the steep bit of the learning plateau, uh, wake falling behind the boat. Um, so there's a lot to talk about from that. I'm going to dedicate a, a topic in the next episode to that. And then Otherwise, we've also had... It's been kite foiling, kite foiling. It's been kite foiling, yeah. So... Um, I thought it was funny, the session that we had when we got back from Cornwall, we literally drove back, having had a few sessions back to back, went out for a kite fall as soon as we got back to Exmouth because the conditions were just so nice. And this comes back to what we were saying before about these disciplines crossing over and skills being acquired. But we're both uh, experienced, more experienced in kite foiling than anything else, having done it longest. And God, was it nice to do a foiling discipline where you could just chill out ride and enjoy it and relax and relax because there's so much because we're learning the other disciplines you know wing falling is kind of getting there now anyway but the surf falling specifically is such a mentally draining thing because we're learning so much while we're doing it so mentally draining physically draining you're just exhausted by the end of it for us we can kind of get on a kite foil and switch off a little bit just go for a cruise and go for a cruise and cover some distance and do a few tricks I think kite foiling is, is quite a, if, as long as you've got the kiting skills, it, I suppose is the main thing, it is a really easy ability to, to get into foiling. Once you've gotten to the point where you can turn around and go to toe side. That's it's just fun, isn't yeah, it? I, re I remember true. that session when we got back, I was so drained from just hours of paddling. Didn't try anything new, but just there was a tiny bit, of, well, there's a little bit of swell and just turning on little waves and yeah. riding around, just enjoying it. And, and, no, and knowing at that point we have the, Skills and ability to catch a kite if it starts falling out of the sky, which is obviously the problem with kite foiling, or with kite foiling in waves, I guess, and and have the ability to, to kind of do what you want to do where you want to do it, whereas surf foiling, we're just not at that level. I think the main thing to come away from it, time on the foil, time on the water, you'll see your improvements, anybody, depending on, regardless, sorry, of, of what you're actually learning, which discipline, the more time you spend on the water doing any of these disciplines is just going to improve all of it. Yeah, so... That was the kite when we got back, and then it was a good, at least a good few days before the next session, wasn't it? That was, what was that, mid this week? Um, that was a really fun evening, more so for me. Unfortunately, you were a bit late to attend. Now I would disagree. I arrived on time to Steezy Pete's you... kite foil racing, which was, for some reason, put two hours earlier. Didn't fucking tell anybody. <laughs> Okay, Just so for those, two hours earlier. for those that don't know, in Exmouth there is a guy called Steezy Pete. Uh, if you look at him on Instagram, you will find him. He is a passionate kite foiler. He's also learning to wing foil. Um, he works at the same shop that I do, and he organises a local little race series. Now, it started out as a bit of fun. It's still a bit of fun, but it started out very much as any vessel uh, sailing race. So basically anybody was welcome. Maybe that was just because he was worried that he wouldn't have enough people otherwise, I don't know. But there very much has uh, now a little following of a handful of people. Sometimes it might only be five people racing. Sometimes when people can make it, it might be like 15. And 
what I would say is if you kite foil, if you are at the point where you can ride both ways and if there are a good number of kite foilers at your beach, I highly recommend you follow his example and set up a little race. Even if you're not using, you know, dedicated marks, even if you don't have a safety boat or something, if you've just got a few proficient people around, choose a course, pick a start line, get someone to shout a starting sequence and do it. It is hilarious. It is so much fun. We're all just, nobody's particularly good. And generally those that are particularly good, there's a couple of riders in Exmouth that are very much into racing. They're banned. But, but well, no, 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 they're not banned, but they will just use completely inappropriate equipment. So pretty much the higher your skill level, the more you'll just use foils that are not good to go fast and you'll use kites that are not appropriately sized or whatever and just get involved in the carnage. And I will remember, never forget the first ones early last year. Um, the, I'd say about 50% of the fleet that were racing could not tackle jive. They could not turn around. And so we had a start line. Half of the people just sat in the water and waited for it to be go before they set off. And then they'd get to the first mark where you have to turn around. Every single person would fall off and you'd just have five people body dragging in the water desperately trying to get their gear back to go the other way. But it was super fun. Well, the only one I ever went to, I never made it off the beach. There's no wind. Half the fleet made, never made it off the beach because there was absolutely no wind. It turned out to be a very seaweedy day as well, so everything got completely swamped. But that happened uh, this week and uh, I did very poorly, which was... Yeah, you got beaten. I got beaten by everybody pretty much. Yeah, I was the last, not everybody rounded the course, it was quite a long one, but of those that did round the course, I came in dead last, mm. which I'm blaming gear, obviously, always. I'm always blaming the gear, I was the only one without straps, and that was definitely the reason. <laughs> a few guys do the same stuff in Portland, so obviously Portland, Weymouth is huge into kite foil racing, on, or any racing, sorry, windsurfing, windsurf foil, everything, and, and a load of the, the local guys there have, have set up um, uh, a little racing group. Um, and the videos and the chats I've had with people that have been there and seen it have just said it's absolutely hilarious and carnage because obviously you've got these incredibly experienced athletes competing in stuff and then you've got a couple of guys with twin tips and they get windsurfers involved and they get windsurf foilers involved and obviously the angles for all these different sports when it comes to racing are completely different and completely inappropriate to be racing with each other. It sounds like absolute carnage. It's amazing. If, it if, sounds like a lot. Of if fun. you can, if you have enough people at your beach to set up any kind of race, and yet kite foilers, if you don't do winging yet and you don't like it, you know what? You're going to have to go make friends with them because anybody that's on the water can race. And just try and set something up. It is so funny. It's very rewarding. You can either run it on a sort of standby basis where you just pick the best day each week or the best day each two weeks and try and do a race or do it on the same day every week and just turn up and have a barbecue regardless like do it something like that and um yeah i mean this week i know pete very well and ride with him a lot and neither of us are at the point with kite foiling where we should be relying on rights of way on the race course but <laughs> as most people into wind sports will know starboard should have right of way and you'll just have me and him riding towards each other on opposite tacks and whoever's on starboard's just screaming at the other person going starboard get out of the way and putting their kite in the worst possible position for the other person it's just great that'd be terrible i don't have a clue any of these rights of ways or anything like that i have absolutely no idea when it comes to it i remember reading it with the instructor course. northerners have right away all right well that's fine yeah. i'll stick by that yeah yeah i wonder how well that'll go down in a race 
So, kite falling's been fun, and then, yeah, surf falling, Saunton, tell me about it. Uh, did a kite demo last weekend, oh, I did, did a kite wing water sports demo last weekend. Uh, the forecast was looking very, very, very good. Uh, one of the days was looking good for kite kiting or winging or you know, wind sports, basically, and the other day was looking really good for surfing and surf foil. And we had a new couple of new surfs up so we're getting really psyched about going and playing with those and your boss came to supervise you didn't boss they? came to supervise no First we were both, we were both super excited to, to to get out on the water and it fucking rained all weekend <laughs> and there was no wind and it was shit it was it was the biggest kick in the teeth for an event that, I, I don't know why we get our hopes up because obviously you organize any wind sports event or surf sports event and you can almost guarantee you're not going to have any conditions but it's just the fact that it was it looked so good up until the actual weekend uh, but we did manage to get in the water. We did take the surf ups out. We've been sat on this beach, or we've been sat in Saunton Car Park with Carl from Cabrina for 11 hours, waiting for either the wind to pick up or the swell to pick up or the rain to disappear. It was just dire. Anyway, it got to about 7 p.m. We'd been sat around all day and we thought, sod it, we'll go out, we'll have a play in the water. We'll, you know, We wanted to get this surf up wet that we'd got, and I, I just... Towards the end of the day, I've been looking on the beach. Tom was paragliding in the dunes, which is cool to watch as well because there was a little bit of a breeze for soaring. But I was looking out of the water. There were a few people trying to kite and there was some white water out there. My issue was I didn't know how deep it was going to be. Uh, as we find quite a lot when we surf foil in, in Exmouth, the depth can be a real problem because the, the water just breaks straight onto the beach in about 60 centimetres of water so you've got to really watch where you're actually taking off yeah it's hard enough to just get you forward into the water isn't it exactly turned out it wasn't an issue um Saunton can obviously get really really good on on the right day this was not the right day there wasn't any dedicated lines of swell however there was a bit of white water breaking and my idea being if i can just get going on this little bit of white water i should be away I'm fairly confident at popping up now after having the last session we had when I did go on to this extremely, uh, what's the word? Like, super easy. Super easy and, and real easy setup basically, a beginner setup with a lot of very low stall speed and, and a lot of surface area. So I was fairly confident I'd be able to get up if I had enough power and it turned out I did. Um, I'd had a really crap day, like I said, sat in the, uh, in the car park. I thought, I don't want to get my expectations up. You've learned. I've learned after all our goal-setting crap from last week. Um, <laughs> the idea in that scenario was just go out. It's probably not going to be very good, but I just wanted to get wet and I wanted to see if I could get up. And I had five, six, seven little waves. That's really sweet. nice. You didn't need much of a push. As long as you could stay roughly on a wave, track along a wave. I had some really good ones. Yeah, it was great. It was really fun. So what was the forecast like? Obviously... Yeah, okay. We've had some of the feedback that we got from listeners is to which I know I know surfers get very secretive of spots, but as far as I'm concerned, if you're willing to listen to a long format podcast and listen to us drivel on, you probably deserve some useful information. <laughs> so some of the feedback that we got was to uh, explain more about the spots that we do visit and we know about, and to suggest when might actually be good for the different foiling disciplines. Um, do you know, yeah, could you introduce Saunton basically yeah. and maybe Saunton, I could do Exmouth afterwards? Saunton's a very well known, I'm sure everyone must know about Saunton. It, it's, it's a very longboard orientated, subsurf orientated wave. I, there's there's not a huge amount of strength in it. If you want strength, you go around the corner to Woolacombe or you go around the corner to Croyd. Saunton is known as a longboard wave. I've been out there with my housemate Pete in some terrifyingly big conditions, but it was incredible how 
how much you still have to paddle to get onto a very big head high probably wave because it's such a it's a chunk it's a big chunk Andrew Cotton who's a big wave British surfer lives in Saunton and I know he's been getting into uh, surf foiling as well he surf foils up at Saunton so I knew it was kind of on the cards that it was possible and it is so big that you can just bugger off as far as you want to get away from the crowds because everybody as always happens comes out of their cars in the car park walks straight down the beach and jumps in the water directly there if you walk for 100 metres down to the left hand side there's nobody there. Well, my understanding is the surfers go in there, one for the rip next to the rocks that takes you out, so yeah. it's easy paddling. And second, I understand that that's the most consistent clean takeoff to surf. Whereas as foilers, you're not as worried about that clean yeah. takeoff, are you? And So even when we were in, there were, some, there were a couple of surfers trying to surf God knows what over towards the rocks, which, like you said, is, is the main peak. We were a little bit further down by ourselves trying to get some space. I think what we're generally looking for now when we've talked not just about Saunton but anywhere else, two foot, two to three max is about all we need to look for. Two to three foot and a 1.9 foot average is, or whatever it means on Magic Seaweed, which is generally what I use to one, look at. One star or even one shaded star seems yeah. to be magic, doesn't is it? Yeah, I mean, and Bantham's exactly the same when we've looked at Bantham. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything over two foot is generally going to be that little bit too big. Uh, especially when you're learning. So we're kind of looking for those smaller conditions. And do people wing there, or is it a bit too difficult was a to get wing. off the beach? Nah, so there was actually a guy... We, we went back the next morning because we wanted to go kiting if we could. Uh, we had a new set of kites to have a play on as well, so we, we did try and get it. We got up at 7am the next morning and went, went down. I got down to the beach at 7.30 in the morning, and there was a chap out of the back. Hopefully he listens to this podcast. But he was way out back, playing around and, and our first impression was, A, I didn't think there was that much wind, and B, how the hell did he get out past all the white water? Was it onshore or a bit cross It was bang on? onshore, loads of white water. It was definitely doable, and I reckon if you were there, you'd have said, to hell with the kiting, let's just try and get out. And I probably would have gone out if it, uh, and wind if it wasn't for the fact that I wanted to try these new kites that we had as well. I can't say he was making it look Easy. that good. good. Oh, okay. Um, because again, there wasn't really that much. He might be listening. He might be listening. Cut this out. Sorry, Um, but you know, he was out and he was enjoying himself, and he had a better time than we did because the kite surf was shit. Oh, cool! I would like to wing it. It's like when you said you went down to Gwydion with us with 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 the the bridges. Sounded fantastic, but Gwydion must be a hard beach to get out. Yeah. So um, one of the challenges on some of the more exposed uh, surf beaches is just. You know, in the same way that surfing is a challenge to paddle out through lines and lines of white water and you're just trying to either paddle over or through waves crashing into your face. It's the same with winging gear. You've either got to try and paddle out deep enough in the, to start with to actually get going. Um, the simple solution that is, if there are any natural obstacles on the beach, i.e. if there are any like groups of rocks somewhere along the beach that surfers might normally avoid because they don't want to go near rocks. You might actually be able to use those to your advantage. That's what I've always done at Gwydion when I've gone and winged at Godrevi. Um, there's a few little rocks that you can kind of hide behind, find a little flat spot, and you have to be proficient and get up quickly, but when you can do that, as soon as you're up on the foil, I find it okay to get over white water. That's and the, the main other, thing is, is wind as well. You've and the other thing is you've got to be powered and you preferably cross on or cross your breeze so that you are riding straight out. You do not want to have to be tacking up wind through white water. Um, and I've made the argument many a time, and that time that I did go to Gwydion with the bridges, that family who were all very good foilers, the 
appropriate nature of me riding a slightly higher volume board than maybe I necessarily still need to on a day-to-day -day basis came so true because the two of us that actually got out the quickest were the two of us of the group of about six that are probably of the lowest skill level of the group at the time, which was myself and Eric. We were both still using high volume boards, so it meant that we could quickly get on the board. It was stable to get on in uneasy water. We could get up quickly, and then we just literally rode straight out back, whereas everyone else would struggle to get on. By the time they managed to either sink the board under them and get on it, you know, wave and knocked it out of the way, and then Guy, the poor sod, basically had to just paddle a shortboard out the back before even trying to get on the wing, and it just looked hectic. Who's got the highest skill level of everybody? Of yeah. everybody. And if, if he'd used my board, he'd have done the same. He'd have yeah, just got on it, ridden off. But and that's slightly different to what we wanted to chat about. But it's a really important point on yeah, board, board yeah, size yeah. in general. I know we've had the conversation with Rich down in Bantham, who who notoriously very very good winger, but doesn't really wing on anything below body weight. No. Um, and refuses it's a to difficult spot because to it's ride. a really difficult spot to ride. And Skippy down in Paul, who went down to Bantham, who's been shouting about low volume boards forever, uh, rides a 36 litre Armstrong, I think, with straps, absolutely loves it, doesn't ride anything else. Went down to Bantham for a session with Rich. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yep. Couldn't get out. And again, Skippy, Chris. Yeah, good guys. Very good rider, can't do it. Uh, I struggle with all this because I'll forget about all this I'll have to probably write it down well I've done that before and it just I've asked Rich about Bantham when does Bantham work when do I need to be going there and doing this and oh, I just can never remember my, my golden rule with any we have a lot of tide estuaries around us whereby mid-tide you have a lot of localised current and my experience with all foiling disciplines certainly wind foiling disciplines is that basically tidal current well any water movement under you is not fun it does not it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't do good things for the foil. It makes it feel really horrible, makes it feel different, difficult. Yeah. So generally speaking, you want to either ride around low, around high. Exactly when you get in relative to an hour either way is just based on the wind direction and whether the tide is going with the wind or against, sorry, with the tide or against tide. And then it matters a little bit less if you're just going to ride out to sea. We'll try and I guess if anyone is interested, you know, with where we ride, we'll try and give a little bit more of an indicator of... When, if, where, if you're if you're local to Exmouth already, maybe don't message us and go. Nah. Oh, the, when when should I go? Because you know we have there is an Exmouth winging group, uh, an Exmouth there's Exmouth groups for pretty much all the sports actually. Um, so by all means, look that up on Facebook. But if you are like you know if if you are new to the area and you want to visit Exmouth, then by all means message us or actually join that Facebook group and introduce yourself and say I'm coming down and we're on there anyway. So. And if anyone knows anywhere else nearby to go. I think Cornwall for us and further into Devon, or further down into Devon, I guess, trying to find some new spots would be quite interesting. Uh, I'd like to wing down in Cornwall a little bit more mm. as soon as the waves come back. We're looking forward to autumn time. It has been quite a while of not a huge amount of wind. We didn't really even get that many storms last winter either, so it'll be quite oh. interesting to see what happens. Shout out to Bernie. He wanted to know good places to get food and drink. Now, he should know them next month anyway because he's already here. But for anyone else that does visit that's not around here, make sure you come and say hello at Edgewater Sports where I work. We're bang on the seafront. You'd struggle to miss us. And make sure you go and say hi to the team at Hangtime Cafe, directly opposite. <laughs> Has Meg had a chat with you about <laughs> No, she hasn't. <laughs> do that. It's sick. If you want some food or a good drink, 
probably either spoken for tapas restaurant in oh, town that, that pretty nice that was good freddie's experienced that yeah. if you just want to drink maybe go see the grapevine they brew a lot of their own Where'd stuff did you take us the other day after spearfishing kebab house the kebab house <laughs> sat in the park at whatever time of night was 10 o'clock at night and had a kebab and it was actually really it was really the only good. place that was open still it was really good so before before we ramble on too much i feel like some of this might just get cut anyway um yeah, I wanted to get techie for the first time and actually try and share a bit of knowledge with people. The lift equation is going to be the centre of this. Now, don't just turn off and go elsewhere now that I've said that and think this is going to be a science lesson. I'm only going to introduce it to show the importance of one factor and then I want to talk about a couple of practical applications of this just so that you understand what's happening. Foiling, we've just got a wing underwater and the wing underwater pretty much behaves exactly the same as a wing on a plane does in the sky. Um, air and water are both fluids. Water is just way, way denser than air. Um, so all of the forces are just multiplied by about a factor of a thousand because that's the difference in the density of air and water. So the lift equation is, um, you have in the equation, it's basically the coefficient of lift multiplied by the density of the fluid divided by two, multiplied by the surface area of the wing over which the fluid is moving, so in our case the water over the foil, and then multiplied by the velocity squared. That is the bit that I want to talk to talk about today. Now to just break that equation down a little bit, the coefficient of lift stays the same and that is based on, effectively in our case, the foil you're using and the angle that you've got it in the water. So the amount of lift that it will produce when it's moving along at, let's say, 15 mile an hour is fixed based on the profile of your foil, the angle it's at, and then the other factors involved are there in the equation. The density of water stays the same. So the other two factors you've got are area and speed, basically. Now, the important bit in that is the speed squared, i.e., for those of you that really didn't listen in GCSE maths. Me, Freddie? Me, definitely. If you double the speed at which you are riding, you actually get four times as much lift because you are going times two squared, which means times two again, right? Why don't you just, if you speed up, why don't you just fly out the water because you produce more lift and it's more than your body weight? Why do you not just exit the water and breach? Well, part of the balancing, do you agree when you speed up is you leaning forward and you putting pressure on your front foot? What you are effectively doing by that is you are reducing what's called the angle of attack of the foil. You're making the foil ride flatter through the water. For those of you that are already lost, imagine yourself driving along on the motorway, you're doing 60 mile an hour, you wind the window down and you stick your hand out the window and you cut the air with your hand like a knife, i.e. you hold your hand completely horizontal and you've got your thumb at the front in the direction you're going. If you start to increase the angle of your hand and face your thumb towards the sky, do you agree that your hand gets pushed up? Is that rhetorical or? No, to you. Okay, yeah, I yeah agree. right. So that is what you're doing by controlling the angle of attack. You're doing that with your foil. By pushing really hard on your front leg, you're basically just flattening it off. So in our scenario, going from slightly pointing up to slightly more flat. So the increase in speed is resulting in an increase in lift, but you pushing down on your front leg reduces the angle and the angle gets factored into that little coefficient of lift bit that we talked about at the very beginning that's in the equation. 
So it's a constant juggling act, basically. So as you speed up, you will have to flatten the foil and make it more flat so that you don't just fly out the water with too much lift and breach. But the cool thing you were saying prior to this episode is by decreasing that angle of attack, you're creating more glide feel. You, you, so the drag equation is basically exactly the same as all of those terms, but instead of having a coefficient of lift, you have what's called a coefficient of drag. Um, and so as you start to ride any foil at a flatter angle, you're reducing the coefficient of drag. So you'll still increase the amount of drag as you increase your speed, but as you flatten it off, it's just gonna feel to you good because it's gonna feel more like it's cutting through the water rather than plowing water out the way at a higher angle. My point is, speed is extremely important. For those that are not getting up with approximately 90% consistency level, when you are getting up winging or even kite foiling to be fair, although kite foiling tends to be less of an issue because you tend to have a lot of power from the kite, but those that aren't getting up consistently when they are winging, concentrate on getting more speed. As a coach, one of the most common issues that I see is beginner novice wingers watch expert wingers and they see expert wingers, I say expert, not Me an expert, not quite, <laughs> see no. slightly better wingers, and, um, and they will see them pumping the wing, i.e. the hand wing, and they will see them also pumping the board, trying to generate lift from pumping the foil. In my opinion, the pumping of the hand wing is quite an easy to achieve skill. You can practice that on the beach, you can practice that in six knots, you don't really have an excuse not to get good at that, and you can generate a temporary increase in power by putting your body energy into that wing and pumping it and get a good temporary increase in speed which will give you more lift and as we just said you increase the speed by a little bit but you actually get a lot more lift for it that is a way more important thing to concentrate on than trying to pump the foil for example because unless your technique is absolutely spot on pumping the foil will probably make things worse and just create drag and the really annoying thing is that pumping a hand wing, you use the wasp normally, the ozone wasp, mm -hmm. I could give you mine. There might be a very subtle change in the timing that you have to pull on your front hand and your back hand and all the rest of it, but I could give you a new hand wing and you'd still be able to pump it. Yep. You know, if you change your foil, each foil can require a completely different pumping technique under your feet, which is why it's such a difficult thing to master. So we're telling people... Concentrate on generating speed by two things. Number one, pump the hand wing, learn how to do that. Because once you're actually up foiling, we all know that the drag decreases dramatically and you need way less power to sustain riding than to get going. So learn how to pump your hand wing. There are loads of tutorials online and practice it on days when the wind might not be enough to get on the water. The other thing is, because you are no longer concentrating on pumping the foil, make sure that your position on the board is good in terms of your weight forward and back so that your board is more moving through the water efficiently. If you are too far back and the nose is lifted, you're just gonna create loads of drag. You're sinking the tail, the foil's at a really high angle, you're gonna create loads of drag and you're never gonna get the speed. If you're too far forward, the nose is gonna plow into the water. So pay attention to that. that. That'll take some time. It does take get, time. But that's one well worth concentrating on. And then one thing we notice, or one thing I notice speed-wise when you start looking at a more intermediate rider, someone that steps up onto a different foil, 
that's potentially more intermediate advanced a faster foil faster foils generally need a faster takeoff well think about that formula yeah. what was the other factor in it Can area you, yeah that one so as you reduce the area you will need more speed to generate the yeah. same amount of lift, therefore you need more speed to take off. Yeah, and that's one thing, even when I'm explaining to people, obviously, as we've mentioned, I am, I, I work in sales. When I'm selling people wings and they come back to me after a week of use, it's quite an interesting, well, it's, it's, it's a conversation that can go, I can't really get going on this thing. It's like, well, you need more speed um, um, when, you're, when you're dropping down area or going for something you that need is speed. fast, you need speed. The other thing is, don't bail out of generating speed when you feel like the wing uh, when you feel like the foil is about to take off what i see a lot is people know that by applying pressure to the back foot you are increasing the angle of the wing coming back to that scenario with your hand out the car window you increase the angle yes it feels like it pushes you up more what it also does is create a lot more drag and i see loads and loads of beginners pick up speed they get to that critical point where the board's taking off but in order to achieve it They've put a lot of pressure on their back leg, so they're riding the board and the foil at a high angle, which is creating a lot of drag. And because they've only just got enough speed for that takeoff, the increase in drag slows them down and they immediately drop back down again. So my tip in that scenario, if you find yourself doing that a lot, is stop weighting your back leg so much and focus on getting more speed. Because without changing the area of the foil at all, if you, as in, sorry, without changing the angle of the foil at all by applying pressure on your back leg, if you simply increase your speed, you will generate more lift and you will take off. And because you've got more momentum, if you do have a slightly wobbly takeoff and you do depower the wing because you're trying to balance yourself or you do accidentally over push on the back leg and create a bit of drag, you'll have enough momentum to take you through it and you'll hopefully carry on riding. Now, that's for the beginners. That also brings me on to more intermediate riders, a lot of which are probably still learning to jive and tack. Take in more speed. More speed means more time. Speed is just good for pretty much all scenarios. Getting more comfortable riding at more speed um, will benefit you because you'll be comfortable riding at speed when you then drop down in foil size. As Freddie said, you need to ride with more speed, so you'll be more comfortable doing that. When you do your jives, when you do your tacks, if you enter them with more speed, you have more momentum, your speed will stay above the stall point when everything just drops out and feels like crap, it will stay above that longer and it will give you more time to execute the maneuver. So yeah, cool. speed. speed. Speed is important. Remember in the lift equation, speed squared, double the speed, you actually get four times the lift. So speed is just super important part of our sport. It crosses over with so many sports as well, doesn't it? Speed's always been like that, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, riding a bike. The generally, the faster you go, the more stable it is in a lot of those, or the, the easier it makes some of those jobs. Just Thanks. as a generic little thing. There you go. Hopefully a little bit of geekiness for you. Yeah, so that there's, I. this is the biggest bit. Um, our rubbish chat is going to, be included in this podcast whether you like it or not because otherwise it'd be boring for us and we won't do it but these more techie bits and whether I'm explaining it well hopefully as someone that does it for a job I can sort of do my best to explain it and I might not have props but this is the bit that we want feedback from because this is the bit that we want to know whether or not this is useful for you I could dive down that rabbit hole and talk in more detail about the different terms of that equation and parts of the foil design that affects the coefficient of lift and we can talk about the profile shape and the cord length and chord distribution, aspect ratio, and all these fancy terms, but I don't want to talk about it if it's one 
boring to people or too above their heads. So this is like the bit that me personally would like some feedback from people and say, yeah, that was really useful. Talk more about it. I want to know about this. And the nice thing is for anyone whose head that does go over, they can join me in the dum-dum corner. <laughs> and Freddie will ask the questions. And I'll if ask I'm the questions because I haven't got a clue. Um, oh my God, it's bloody confusing. Isn't it? It's just, ugh, it's confusing. You say that and you say you don't care, but then every that, that's where this podcast came from is that we have conversations about it and you always ask. So you do care. Well, okay. You so just, I, I ask you just, you just, you do it in small chunks yes. because if we talk about it too much, <laughs> small bite sized manageable yes, chunks, your, your brain explodes okay, and you yeah. get moody. Agreed. So hence why we'll try and keep this to a few minutes. A few minutes each podcast of trying to explain something and then I'll say something northern and stupid just to bring the tone exactly. back down to where we kind of want it. It's somewhere in the middle, hopefully. So we can all learn together. But anyway, there we go. So that's that. Cool. Um, this week. Episode two. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Well done. Smash it out of the park again. What are we doing this week? <laughs> this week, we've got a nice little heat wave coming in. Uh, so there's no more wind. You got some nice bronze already. There's no more swell. I already got a bit of pink arm yesterday. I didn't really like that. I have to make sure I got enough sun cream this week. But the plan still is: I've got this big fat wing ready to do some pump foiling, sat in the back of my van. Um, that's what I want to be doing in the sunshine. We've considered a couple of spots near me, hopefully, on some flatter water with some docks or with some, some jetties we can jump off. Uh, that's the one for me to, to really get to grips with um, just to get a bit of pumping down there's also a lot of chat about it recently as well so it'd be nice to do that yeah there's a lot of videos online about pump falling I'm sure everyone's yeah. social media feeds yeah. are full of that it's and it absolutely is. everywhere but there might be a bit of wind there might be a bit of sea breeze going on so it might be more kite foiling we probably won't talk about that too much because yeah we've done it already we've well it already. I, one of the things that we might get to do this week I'm going to try and talk dad into putting the boat in the water and go yep. for a wake foil um, one of the things that I'm going to talk about next week is the effect of mast length it is way more significant than I think either the dealers shops distributors all the rest of it it makes way more of a difference the only things I get people talk about is use a shorter mast because then your crashes are less significant because you're falling from less high and then as you get better use a longer mast because when you do a carve it stops the tip of the foil exiting the water and breaching and you crashing but we're not talking about tech now so no we're not my point it. is there is way more to it than there that and i want to talk about that and I, that's yeah. been exaggerated by the weight falling so hopefully we can get doing that this week and hopefully i know a little bit about that as well so i can well you need to come and have a go you got to get up in the morning get yeah. up early enough come and have a go yeah, do um, there's can... a bit of surf coming in at the weekend as well and then just yeah. back to your pump foiling Go thing, on. just a closing thought for people. I left our wonderful home counties um, this week and went away and went east. Um, there was a lot, it's very flat over there. Mm -hmm. There's lots of canals and rivers that look like canals where you've got very sheltered water. And I couldn't help but just picture all of them being filled with people pump foiling and Yet, I was also trying to think to myself, if you were an average Joe living near Cambridge and let's say you've got into paddleboarding because everyone's got into paddleboarding the last few years and you're paddling up and down the canal and then you were to see some lunatic pump foiling, it would take quite something for you to go, I'm going to do that sport and start looking up gear and looking at the price of everything. When it's like you, there is it. Isn't it pretty much impossible to like get a lesson? I don't think anywhere yeah. in the world even does pump foiling lessons. But that's yeah. So how would they get into that? Well, that's a question. So for that's next a question week, for another time. Uh, but Just that is what I was thinking about this week. Cool. Well, um, 
We hope everyone has a good week and enjoys the sunshine and gets out on the water. And yeah, let us know what you think and if there's anything else you'd like to, to chat about. Yeah, people uh, said that we need an opening and a closing jingle and we haven't had time to do either of that this week. But if anyone wants to send us some amusing sound bites that we can just cut together, then I'd more than welcome those. That sounds like you've got to figure out how to cut stuff together then. As opposed to just putting stuff straight. Anyway. Anyway, till next time. See you later. How long is it? Too long.